Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's show is really cool because we're recording live here at Bulletproof Labs Alpha on Vancouver Island. And today's guest is a friend and someone who's done a lot of work for me. His name is Dr. Barry Morgulin. And Dr. Barry is a gastroenterology and endoscopic surgeon from UCLA Medical Center. And he's spent 35 years in practice. He's a very well-credentialed guy who's traveled around the world teaching other doctors how to perform surgery without just opening someone up from you know, navel to sternum, instead going in with a little endoscope. But that's not what we're gonna talk about. We are going to talk about the fact that over the last 35 years, He's been traveling to China and learning these amazing Chinese energy healing techniques that make him one of 12 living grandmasters of his energy medicine tradition. So I'm going to ask Barry about that. You're going to learn what he's done for me. And, and Barry's not exactly a famous guy, but he's supported presidents of countries. Uh, when Tony Robbins goes on stage, quite often Barry's been in the back of the room helping him out. Uh, when I had the opportunity to speak on Tony's main stage, uh, people said, oh, you know, Barry, like everyone on Tony's staff loves you, Barry, because you've been there a lot of times. And I, when I first heard about you from our mutual friend, Jay Abraham, who's yeah. also been on Bulletproof Radio, uh, was, Jay's like, I can't tell you what he does, just he does something interesting and unique, and you like him, go meet him. So we met, and you put cups on me, you did all sorts of stuff that really most UCLA surgeons don't no. do. So first off, welcome to the show, and, and I want to get into your story. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me come. You, you graduated from medical school in 1973, right? Uh, right. I started practicing uh, around 78 and then began uh, into gastroenterology and boards around the 80s. So really, I went full force, I'd say, around 1981. All right, so the year after I was born, right. you, you graduated from medical school and then yeah. you've been going out and working ever since then. Yeah. And you searched the world though, you didn't just go to China. What other places have you been to learn about energy medicine? Uh, you want the short version or the long version? Give me the interesting version. The interesting version, okay. Um, you know, it was, uh, let's see, 35 years ago, yeah, when I started practicing, but I, I was uh, going, you know, I always used to come in through the emergency room. So I'm coming through the emergency room and I see, hear the people you know, in pain and I'm walking up to see my patients and uh, to, re to discharge them. They're, they're all doing well. But one patient, Ms. Rodriguez, I sat on her bed and said, you're doing great, Ms. Rodriguez. You can go home now. It's wonderful. And the sun was shining through the window. And, and I said, wouldn't it be great, though, if you didn't have to go through this at all? What if you never had to get these tumors or diseases and you, know, you could avoid this whole hospital? You could get stronger through time. You actually could... You know, instead of having this downhill course that people think mm -hmm. life's about, because uh, she wasn't 21, she's uh, much older, uh, that you could actually become healthier with time. And she's such a sweet old lady. Maybe you can imagine your grandma or something. She mm -hmm. takes my hand. She says, if anybody can do it, you can do it. Go try. And so in that scene with the sun in her hand and me feeling this anyway, I just, after that, uh, it just kept bugging, bugging me. So I said, I'm going to do it. So then I went on and started a search for the next... Uh, you know, 25 years looking for what would do something for people to allow them to not only um, not get sick, but actually get stronger through time. And your capacities to be able to function, whether it's sports or whether it's writing a, a play or whether it's becoming, a, a, inventing something, uh, all those things are within us, but people get waylaid by, you know, illness or distractions or all your kids. It's a lot of things. What if you became really, really effective? So I started looking for that. And um, I went to what, uh, let's see, Italy, Germany, Italy, Germany, uh, all Europe, um, 13 different countries, South America, Central America, all were great. Uh, but I still didn't find what I wanted. And I went like every three months, I had other doctors covering my practice. So you go down, uh, uh -huh. you went to South America, let's say. Right. So you go down, you show up, like I'm, I'm a big bad Western doctor, and you go back 30 years, huge credibility, white lab code, people. Oh, yeah. They sprinkle flowers in front of you. Right. Uh, not really, but... but you're, or a baseball hat. Yeah, very, very well respected. In other right. Words. Yeah. And what would you ask for? Well, no, it was... The way I'd worked it out was always I would be able to teach okay. there. And I would get to teach first. And I figured through the doctors there, they must know everything that's in their community. So by offering my services to help out, and uh, I'd, 
I would go like every two or three months and I would just call different doctors at different hospitals in different cities and say, would you want me to come and demonstrate some of the things that we know in advance because at that time in Los Angeles, UCLA is very, very advanced in gastroenterology. So it was a real plus to visit other places and discuss and go over things because doctors really wanted to find out what's going on the other side of the world. Okay, so this is before cell phones. So you would show up and, mm-hmm. and you'd come with great credentials yeah. and you'd say, all right, so I'm gonna show you my Western medicine things. But then you had to be like, I wanna know the crazy stuff. Like, what would you ask these guys for? Because they're also doctors, but they know maybe more of the local traditions. Yeah, yeah. What would you say? Six, six, six to eight, eight years of asking people, well, you know, I understand that you're, you, what you're using here in the hospital, but so are we. But do you have anything so where you don't have to use uh, medications? Do you have anything where the person can like avoid coming to the clinic or seeing the doctor? And in some places, you know, almost every place had something interesting. I mean, France had um, aromatherapy, okay? And aromatherapy is great, but it wouldn't replace, it wouldn't allow people to get free of having to do this whole routine of getting sick, going to the pharmacy, buying drugs, taking the drugs, then have side effects, then have to take care of the side effects, and then maybe the problem's still not done, so time, money, everything's lost. And what I want people to actually be spending time with their family, spending time, you know, at their job, spending time being, you know, creative. So the goal was each time to say what else you have and so in germany they had wonderful electrical machines you know about many of them and sure. in those days they had the rife machine which they still have i've had Actually, one myself, yeah right. and with a, like 150 things that you can electrocute yourself with and you sit there like this and there's nothing incorrect about any of the people uh even in brazil with all the crystals and crystal beds and crystal mountains and you spend all this time meditating there is fabulous uh, but it wasn't something I could bring a whole crystal cave back to UCLA. It wasn't something I could have you have at your home because my goal was that each person, remember, could be their own physician. You'd mm-hmm. be your own doctor. You just keep yourself healthy and well, and then you start to become your own guru after a while because you're hooked into staying healthy and happy and, and in peace, uh, not worried. So each place was just phenomenal, but Central America had all these huge herbs with these big leaves that they were burning and you, you know, everybody would inhale all this and there would be altered states. But again, I wasn't gonna get that through the IRB at the hospital, the, <laughs> they're, they're gonna, what leaf, where, who's checking, what's, so that wasn't gonna go over well. So I had to keep looking for a long time uh, and wasn't until I think after about, oh, eight years, I decided uh, that I don't think there's any other place. I think I'd logged up to 150,000 miles wow. airtime and uh, had taken a lot of time off work, but I had a big practice, I was very successful Still am, but I mean, I was at the peak uh, very soon in my career, both teaching, being at UCLA, having a practice, and being able to go around and instruct. Weren't you a little concerned that your colleagues would think you were crazy pants? Uh-huh. That was very important. Um, I tried my best just to tell people that, I, why, why do we need to cover your practice? What's the reason? And don't you need to stay here? Your practice is going to fall apart. Why, why are you going? And I said, well, I'm going to, I told them what I'm looking for. And they went, oh yeah, right. You're going to find the... Uh, a fountain of youth. No one's found that yet. You're wasting. You're wasting time. And so they would heckle me every time. Yeah. Every time I'd come back. And uh, finally, it, as I said, about eight years into it of leaving every three months, they, one guy said, "Well, you find it yet?" And I said, "No." He says, "Well, you're never going to find it." He says, "It's just too. It doesn't exist." And so that time I made up my mind. I said, "The only place I haven't gone is China." But back then, China was not China today. It wasn't like Manhattan Beach. I mean, Manhattan in New York uh, landing there, it was completely different when I finally went there. It was just rickshaws, bicycles, uh, crowded uh, streets, very almost no cars, and uh, not a wealthy population. So when I got to work there, finally I had the opportunity when I was in one of the hospitals to read some books uh, that had pictures in them. And those books had um, pictures of people treating somebody but not touching them. Not, not doing anything that, and the person was getting well. So I asked the doctors I was working with there and they said, uh, yeah, that's the source of all of Chinese medicine. That's the source of everything. That's, remember, we're the middle kingdom. You know, they still had all that information mm-hmm. from those days. And whether you're a Western doctor and believes it or not, that's their culture. And it actually is very useful to know the principles behind that. And they said, all this has a source and that's the source energy people. And I said, great, when can I meet them? They go, impossible. You'll never, <laughs> you'll never do it. And I said, why not? Said, because they're not here, they're not in the cities. After Mao, they were all sent into the mountains and they don't come down very often at all. Uh, and they're not very nice. They stay up there and people have to go there who want to get treated and it's treacherous working your ways up the mountains. And also they may not treat you except for a huge expense. 
in those days, somebody could tr be treated. Uh, I, I was shocked. You know, this is 25 years ago. People say $10,000 of treatment. Good God. And it was amazing. But and what happened is uh, I got to see it happen. I got to see people getting treated when I finally made it up there. How did you make it up there? How did you establish Well, the, um, the trust. Uh, trust is a real interesting thing in China. I was able to work in the hospitals. I had a wonderful connections with all the people there uh, and the doctors. And so I kept you know, at lunch, at dinner, sometimes over their houses, said, come on, you must have somebody who could take me there. And so finally, a couple of them said, okay, well, we'll my cousin will take you this far, and then his friend will take you beyond there, and you're on your own. We can't protect you. So if anything happens out there, remember, this is China. You've read about, you know, people, the Huns coming over the mountains. We can't tell you what's going to happen to you. Plus, there's nothing, no, you know, fine roads to get up the mountains. So I didn't care. I really had been looking for and so long. There, there's no cell phones. There's no way no to cell phones. Nothing. What did they do at the temple uh, okay. that taught you this? Like, what was it like to learn this? Stuff? Okay, the so you would think having gone through a medical program, which it's you know, pretty rigorous. It's vigorous. It's very much like being in the Marines. You're really you're here to work hard, and you're not going to have any free time. And your teachers are your bosses, and you're going to follow that, or else you're not going to get a great education. And then we're going to kick you out. So anybody who's a pre-med knows that, and then in med school it's the same. And then I went beyond med school to you know internal medicine degree, another two years in that, and then boards, and then in gastroenterology and endoscopic surgery with that, another two or three years, trying to get more and more training because I wanted to find out there's you know the best of the best of the best in Western medicine, but it was never like you had free time. It was like a lot of work, a lot of learning. And you might say, well, after you learned all that stuff, you said more room in your brain for that. Well, it, to me, I didn't like what I saw and felt every day as I walked in the hospital. I went, you know, I really just came in to be a doctor to help people, and I think I've got this part down, but it's not enough. It's not what people really need. People need the relief to not have to have all these things pulled in just because you get ill or, or you get an injury or a bone broken or something like that, which up there, it was much easier to treat any kind of break. It was amazing all the breaks I saw and the deformed people that would come up from birth defects and all of a sudden their deformity's gone. I mean, there's so many stories. You're but, but the, like miracle healing stuff. That's yeah, that's why I'm not going to talk too much about that. Let's talk about the basics. Yeah, so here's the other, I'm not, you're not claiming you do any of that stuff, right. but you saw this. Yes. As a witness to it, yes. it's okay to say that. I mean, you, yes. you were at a, a place in time right. that's largely lost at this mm -hmm. point, right? Yes, right. And, and this happened. Either that or you're crazy pants. I, I know you pretty well. You're not crazy. No, I, too many people have come to see me, and then I've taught too many, of the, too many people these exercises. Mm -hmm. You mentioned some of the people before. Yeah, you're teaching me these things, right? Right, and the exercises are all you need to do, plus uh, be in front of the videos or listen to the audios maybe in the car, and you can download the same vibrations that took me you know, uh, 15 years to pick up and be able to bring here. But how did I learn it? I think that's your real question. Yeah. How easy was it? Not easy at all. Uh, the first uh, time when they said they would uh, allow me to learn, because up until that time they just sort of just tolerated me being there, and I, and I had all these conversations on, you, you guys got to let me hear it. America doesn't know about this. And so anyway, that, that part got done. And then a couple of years later, then I came back and then they said they would teach me, which was the dream come true. Uh, but they said it, the, a, real, a lot of uh, uh, provisions on that, a lot of caveats. One, they said, this training is not meant for anyone to make it unless they're supposed to make it. So if you don't make it, which is what happens to 99.9% .9 of the people, that's okay with us, including if you don't make it physically. Like, oh, you could die. That happened even when on my training, I saw that happen. You saw people, others Yes, it was not, it really shook me up. Um, because they said each one of the, they called it attainments or levels, is, a, is another level which you have sensors open in your body and you can pull in more energy to be able to treat other people. And these sensors are basically mitochondrial channels? Uh, some of them? The mitochondria are so important because the mitochondria, you know, you've, you already have all that information about the ATP, the ADP being there yeah, yeah. and generating that. Well, part of the um, uh, science of all that is you have these cells that are here and you'd like for them to be nourished and you have such great, you know, supplements to nourish them, but also yeah. you need the environment to nourish them. And as I learned, the environment is made up of, and if anybody wants to get into physics, is made up of so many great things that... Uh, if you could tap into that, you would be able to have a much stronger and much more vivacious and also, also a much wider experience of your own life. So um, you remember Einstein said that energy, um, uh, I mean, nothing in the world really can be destroyed. It just changed from one form of energy mm -hmm. to the next. 
you know, if you burn a cigarette, it sends, well, not a cigarette, burn a fire herb, and then smoke yeah. goes up, and the carbon fibers go up, and the carbon goes away. It gets recycled into mm-hmm. something else. So actually, he was clear that it all went around and around. And so uh, energy cannot be uh, really made or destroyed. It's actually all in there, which mm-hmm. is part of how this whole discipline works, is that you get to tap into uh, all the different vibrations and all the different um, uh, forces that are part of being a human being. Uh, but anyway, the, the hard part was that every single test they gave me was not fun. And every single test made me actually, you know, it doesn't matter how positive you are, it doesn't matter how many great surgeries you've done in the United States, how many people you taught, you know, you're out there hanging on a mountain in the middle of cold and no one's there caring about you. And you've got to be doing either certain exercises or you've been given uh, uh, an assignment to figure out this uh, koan. Uh, this Zen, you know, this is Zen Koan, and you have no idea what it even means. And so, it means you got to stay out there. If you come back, they're treating you worse than they treated you before they sent you out. So you're out there in, in like freezing cold, oh, yeah, yeah. doing exercises, things. Yeah, yeah, about, you had to. Wow, is this hardcore like out of a movie? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, actually, some people want to make a movie. Actually, some people did make. There's a couple movies from people that I've uh, that done my uh, courses that I brought back uh, or treated personally. I think there's two movies about this story that I've gone through that I'm telling you. And they what, just you know, they, what are the names of the movies? Do you want me to come the movies really? There's well the, I want to see them. Yeah, I'm sure the, people listening some of them. No, it's just it's just a part of it. Okay, it's just, just, a, just a little part of it. Just okay. a part. But it, it's they took part of it and they stuck it in there. And the, both movies were big, big bestsellers, big okay. blockbusters. Um, but anyway, so I mean, like I think you know one of the attainments I had to do was uh, you had to be able to sit in snow. And like uh, melt us and melt the snow. When you're in your, you know, I would say bathing suit. But it was like oh, Wim, Wim Hof kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, your bathing suit was not your bathing suit. It was like, you know, who brought a bathing suit? So it was your underwear. You're sitting out there under uh, ice all around you and there's snow there. And you've got to, uh, you know, the next stage is, are you going to be able to pull in enough energy to keep that place warm around you and you warm also? Wow. Uh, and, and if you don't do that, you get pneumonia and die? Well, yeah, they go, that's the end. That goes, that's the end of your training. Wow. They were always intimating, which turned out to be absolutely true, is that you sort of have two bodies. You've got the one that you've sort of allowed to express itself through whatever you, whatever channel you came, whether you came through Brooklyn or you came through Los Angeles, you came through you know, Seattle, it doesn't matter whose family, where it is. Pretty much people's bodies are within a certain range. And then that's not your only body. You've got all this energy to connect to in the world. Some people like to say your energy body, but what that does, that's like a limitation also. Mm -hmm. Because people go, well, how far does your energy body go? And then they go to an expert and goes, well, it goes to here. I can show you. But actually, no, it actually can extend as far as not only you want to or you need to. And this is what blows people away in how they get well uh, or how they can do, you you know, I've treated people that have been the Olympics or... Uh, NBA and uh, PGA stars, and I don't want to say their names, but because what I'm really interested in is that the people like normal people, all the rest of us who want to excel at work and at home and also get your, you know, stomach adios and try to get yourself in shape normally without stressing thousands of hours doing things. And, you're, and when you connect to that body, people start to lose weight, people get in better shape, and you become more agile. And that body is actually much more able to do a three-handed push-up Wow. or break through a brick or something than just taking your hand and thinking it's a object and then throwing it into a rock and thinking that, that'll never break the rock. It'll break your hand, but it won't, you won't be able to. What breaks the rock when you go through, um, and I certainly had plenty of chances to do this, or what allows them to melt the snow is that you're, you're not just experiencing yourself as a little tiny speck that exists in a little tiny planet on a far distant you know, constellation, far away from all the others. Uh, no, you're actually experiencing yourself like, um, well, like we saw last night. Remember we walked outside and we, we were watching the stars? Yeah, I saw the Aurora Borealis. The Aurora Borealis yeah. and how clear the stars were. And people um, who, certainly if you watch these videos and audios, when you watch the, the distant stars, um, you're going to have a totally different experience. It's not going to be like, oh, those are, that's what they're Those exist over there. No, you actually are connected to those in so many different ways that you can experience and utilize. So, you know, and I would, but everything was step by step. You didn't learn anything without this whole saying in Chinese with, they would always take their fingers like this and they'd mm-hmm. say, okay, now you're ready for this small piece of knowledge. 
And you would go, I want to learn the whole thing. You know, an American just teach me. Give me the whole medical book. Right. I'll get through. I'm an A student, please. And this is all we're going to give you. And you'd go, all right. And you'd, in our mind, we'd demean it. But the truth was, they're correct that you would have to get through this to be able to go to the next one of those, to go to the next one. It was very, very useful. Their training program was just brutal. And as I said, I did see people you know, get hurt. So you went through all this aggressive training. So, I mean, do you consider yourself enlightened? No, I think enlightenment's a process. But at least I know where the road is. At least I know, at least I know what the path is. And I know that we're on a mountain that has no top. It has to be that way. So it's a continuous process. Yeah, well, if you look in the universe, just go ahead and look out there, you'll see that, doggone it, it's expanding. And it keeps expanding. And then people found out that the more we uh, study it and try to get closer to the end of it, it, infinity keeps going farther and farther out. How's it happening? Because we're part of the whole dynamic. It's be like looking at the back of your head is what we're trying to do. But that's simplifying. You know, Physics is fantastic to support this entire system. And that's why it was so wonderful for me as I would get back and see problems when I came back to the United States and would treat people in my office before I created all these videos and audios for people just to use at home, uh, that uh, people would get such benefit and then you have other things that would go on. It would stay with them. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, you know, if you went to a surgeon and they cut out, which is me, cut a tumor out of your stomach or something, well, then that's it. You just go on your next day and you didn't know you had it. It wasn't there. You aren't any better. But with this, everything that you do, even for an illness, you get better because mm-hmm. your whole system is going better. So, so the, the first time I, I did a treatment with you, it was I didn't really know what to expect, but I, I've done all sorts of, I've done ayahuasca in South America 20-something years ago before it was cool and... Uh, all kinds of things that are, are kind of off the grid because in, in a similar way, maybe not quite as in-depth as you, but I, I've, I've looked around uh, when the stuff that I thought was going to work didn't work. And so I'm, I'm, I suspend my disbelief, go into your office, uh, which doesn't, at least your, your healing office, doesn't necessarily look like a typical surgeon's office, right? It's got jade bowls and, and you know, crystals and, and herbs and all, all sorts of cool stuff in it. Also, right? there's some flowers there that people bring all the time. Yeah. Too. The whole place doesn't look like a, but I have two offices. One is traditional, Correct. complete Western, and this one is like 95% this discipline, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, you're giving me special tea that you've charged up, and and I I sat down, and you said, all right, you know, lay here, and, and you, you I was kind of going to an altered state, you were clearly doing something, and you put uh, uh, cups on, on my back, you know, did uh, suction, and uh, all sorts of stuff, and when, when we were done, I'm like, all right, I, I know something happened here. Uh, and then you said, no one can touch you for two days. Yes. What was the deal? What, what Two did days you, plus the day you were there. Three yeah, days total. What, what did you do? What, what, what treatment did you get yeah, that yeah, day? Like, yeah. What was that specific treatment? Yeah, like, like, like translate what you did. Because I, my experience of it was, all right, I went into some sort of weird floaty altered state. You're doing some stuff. You're mumbling some stuff I can't remember. Uh, and I, I'll talk about the changes I experienced afterwards. And this is the stuff you do for presidents and NBA players and all, all these like, right. like, some pretty heavy-duty, powerful yeah, people. Yeah, all the people you mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. A lot of different... Very famous. And, and I only did this because Jay was like, Dave, you have to experience this. And Jay Abraham, if you guys haven't heard the episode with Jay, he's like one of the most powerful marketing guys in, in history, like, like very well known, helped tens of thousands of companies, and also a good friend. And so I, I trust Jay. And so he, he said, just meet Barry. So what's the, what did you do? Like, like, like for, for people listening, just tell, tell them what you did. Okay, this harkens back to when I finally came back to the United States and was given the opportunity by the Grand Master to treat people. So I started treating people very similar to with you, mm-hmm. uh, but I would just tell them, would you like something really great mm-hmm. uh, that would help you because you're not getting well so quickly? Mm-hmm. The treatment I would do in the beginning uh, was a little more clandestine than the mm-hmm. one you had because I would do it all with the lights off. So you wouldn't see okay. anything I was doing, and I wouldn't use any of the cups. The only reason I use the cups is it allows me to go faster okay. uh, so I can treat you quicker. It doesn't need to be that I can do it with you, having cups, without cups, if you do it close together or even at a distance, which for a lot of people goes, oh, that's really strange. But if you understand how the whole world is not so unconnected, mm-hmm. you'll start to get a sense like, well, maybe there is a way to connect to some people. Maybe I have had an intuition once in a while, and then my son had the same intuition at the exact same time. How'd that happen? I wonder. Maybe there is some way of transmitting. I wonder how you do those energy wires. So with you, um, just like with the other people, uh, First, we were going to work on the very important parts, which is 
give you the, uh, open your sensors in your body to pull in energy yourself, not only for starting that day, but it's gonna get stronger and stronger as the sensors start to open more. Because you're, you're built with these, it's just that they close uh, either at the young, right, right about five. Five and under is somewhere on there, it starts to change. And then people, you'll notice in their athleticism, you'll notice in their communication, you'll notice in their ability to do certain gymnastics, uh, it changes. And people, mm -hmm. what happened? Well, you're getting older. Everybody has this thing, you're getting older. And that's this whole discipline is about life's not about going downhill over life. Life's about you actually you can get better and stronger mm -hmm. as you connect to more of this. So for you, um, I took all the places that were obvious uh, to me that would really benefit by the uh, getting the energy so that like the liver would perk up and the kidney would perk up, all those things that I wanted to get the energy uh, opened in those sensors. And then also the ones that would give you more of a chance to um, have super clear thinking. Because I knew that was part of your, you know, your whole creation of your business. Remember back then, it's yeah. not like what now. You've done tremendous, I'm thrilled. Uh, but there were, because this energy does allow you to have massive creativity. Actually, we had a, what, 83, no, 93-year-old lady who broke her hip. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her, uh, Lucille, I hope you're out there listening to this. Uh, and uh, she broke her hip, and so she called, uh, called me and said, I'm, I'm not going to be able to go to the next lecture or get my things because I'm in the hospital. And they say, with a broken hip at my age, it's probably going to die. It, it might not be good. And so I said, Lucille, um, just keep, you know, if you can't do the physical exercise, you can watch the videos and you can still listen to the, on the app, the audios that keep playing, the breathing exercises. Just, you're talking about videos and apps. And uh, so uh, Dr. Barry has a series of, of audios and videos that I've used where you, I, I'm translating here, but you basically take the energy stuff that you learn and you put it in them. Yeah, it's in and, the medium. And they're recorded, you do a live thing in Austin and you record mm -hmm. there. And, and so you listen to these things in meditation sort of things, exercise yeah. things, but there's something else in there that's hard to, right. hard to right. quantify. That's what all okay. the meditating people say. They went, well, I meditate, and you can use these uh, before your meditation, it'll change the whole thing. That's that whole enlightenment yeah. path. Then you'll start going up the, the stairs of what most people call the path of enlightenment. So, so the, the treatments you do are, are usually for people at a certain level of success, they're really expensive. And you've, you're treating some of the most powerful people in the world, and, and the the school that you come from was to protect the emperor of China. Like this, this is some high end stuff. So these are people who got one on one treatments. But what you've done is you've basically taken this stuff and you've put it in videos and you teach it in larger groups, so it becomes more just more accessible to people who aren't fortunate enough to be able to you know, fly to L.A. and get an hour of your time. Yes, I was so worried that people wouldn't make the, uh, the, the, what do you call, leap, or at least investigate that it was possible to do it uh, through a medium like a listening or watching a video, uh, that it was possible to embed it in there, but, you know, they had disbelief. So what I did is I collected testimonials over the years, and I wouldn't really come out like now, be on the radio or talk to people until I had, you know, over 10,000 testimonials of people in every one of these areas where they didn't matter whether they're 5 or 95, uh, I have all those different levels mm -hmm. where the people have had successes in each one of these areas we're talking about. So then I felt confident enough to come out and let people know this is here for you. This was my, this is what I want everyone to do. And it's, and it's not even difficult. It's easy. You just have to, like I was showing you earlier, you take five minutes in the shower or five yeah. minutes before you go pick up your kids and do some of these exercises. Interesting. It's not hard. Yeah. You're, uh, you're really giving, and, and if, if you're listening, there's a very good chance you've read Headstrong, my new book on mitochondria. There's a, a mitochondrial meditation that's in the book, and I just called up Barry and said, hey, Barry, I need someone who can make a meditation that, that's all about mitochondria and about opening these things up. My understanding of mitochondria is, is that they are these ancient bacteria that are actually responsible for sensing the environment around us, and then they roll that up into yes. what we perceive later. Mm -hmm. So Barry, with, you didn't charge him anything either. You're just like, hey, sure, of course. So he, he, wrote, uh, he wrote the mitochondrial meditation, and there's a link in the book. And you decided also just to gift listeners with, uh, uh, with some of the exercises, just so yeah. you, you can try this if you want. Go to energyforsuccess.com slash Dave. There's no financial deal, Not no relationship. Awesome. Barry's my friend. He's my teacher. He's my energy medicine dude who charges me up when I need it. And I can call him and he does stuff that honestly you would think wouldn't be possible, but appears to be possible from my perspective. 
so energyforsuccess.com slash Dave. We'll put it in the show notes and on the blog and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and this is just a gift, uh, which yes. is, and, and thank you for offering that to people. Uh, you've, uh, you've been doing this for quite a long time, sort of under the radar as a, yeah. as a quote, real doctor. And now you're sort of coming out of that and yeah. just saying, I'm, I'm been doing to- all, the, all these years I've been doing both uh, gastroenterology every day and then doing the energy treatments at night and then the lectures on the weekend. So I pretty much have worked a seven day week for I guess about 15, 16 years. And the energy is the only way to do that effectively. Otherwise, you know, you'd get upset, burnt out, or you certainly would lose your verve. I can call you at one in the morning and you're up just like I am. Yeah. And, and people don't understand that kind of energy. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's phenomenal. I didn't always have the level of energy I do now. And certainly some of your work is, is a part of it. Having mitochondria that function is a big part of it. Yeah, that's it's, wonderful. Being able to make power. Yeah, massive uh, support from your supplements. Keep the mitochondria going like they need to and growing this, like all your material says. And then at the same time, well, what are they? What are they also supposed to do? Well, they're supposed to be pulling in this energy, right. not just making it from a certain piece of food or vitamin that you took. They got to go together. And it comes from the environment around you, which mm-hmm. is fascinating. That that epigenetics is teaching us that, and yeah. your five thousand year old tradition. Like, right. look, at, look at the world around you. What's it doing to you right now? And what are you doing to it? And yeah. that's what it comes down to. And that's why yeah, even West, you know, Western medicine finally came around with some things like this, where they say, well, you know, y'all probably should go out in the sun a little bit because you're getting vitamin D deficient. And why? Because you don't take in enough sunlight. What is sunlight? Energy. Yeah. What does that energy do? Your body absorbs it into the melanocytes, and then those sites make these little crystals with ATP. Mm-hmm. And if you have enough ATP, you make those crystals, and then you have a nice covering in your skin of color that protects you from you know, x-rays and things like that, uh, radiation. So it's already there. It's just people don't want to look at it because they go, it can't be that way. It's, right. it, it would, you know, but it, it all fits together. I've had scientists come to me, some in Silicon Valley where you've spent a bunch of time, uh, who were working on other things, and they all say, this allows me to stay creative much longer during each day and be able to come up with some things that, I, that they really want to contribute to humanity. And it's yeah. profound stuff. So, so, so thanks again. I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate just that you spent so many years questing to find this stuff and that you went through all the, the struggle to do it. And also that you're, you're making it a little easier than climbing to the top of a mountain or you know, spending thousands of dollars an hour with a very limited amount of time. Yeah, no one has to do that anymore. Yeah. Nobody yeah. has to do that anymore. It's done. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's cool. And so I, I definitely listen to the exercises or do the exercises. Well, sometimes I can say I'm not that, I'm not that disciplined in doing the exercises because sometimes I'm a little busy, but I'm getting better. Yeah, not and, only we're all, we're all getting better, I still do the exercises every morning. I mean, yeah. all these years, I spend, you know, uh, at least an hour, doesn't matter if I'm in a it's hotel. Been an hour? You're yeah. telling me 15 minutes. I told you that with time, you may <laughs> want to do more. As you see, you can do more. But yeah. you can do an, you, if it. You, if you took five minutes out, you know, five times a day, yeah. How much time would that be? Yeah, you, you can fit it in. Yeah. Well, thanks again. And if you liked today's episode, I think it was a profound episode. We went longer than normal because it's interesting and fascinating. Because this was awesome. This is a, a path that you don't really, you don't tell your story too much. You're, you're very humble about it. And I think we managed to get some of it out of you. So anyhow, I, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Have a wonderful whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's guest is Dr. Pedram Shojai, doctor of oriental medicine and master herbalist, acupuncturist. You may know him as the urban monk he's been on before. New York Times best-selling author uh, multiple times, I believe. And he's the founder of well.org. 
Qigong master, Taoist abbot, who has a few things to say that cross over from the East and the West. And he's focused his life now on writing and sharing knowledge versus being the man about town. And in fact, he's been on more than once when I think about it. He, he most recently episode 440. So this was quite a while back talking about prosperity. And he was on actually three times before that, even episode 107 about where vitality comes from. So Pedram's a friend of the show, uh, a personal friend, and has just come out with a new book, uh, which is all about focus and how to bring time and energy and money into that state called flow. He's going to share how he's done it, and he's going to share the knowledge from his book with us today. So, Pedram, welcome back, my friend. Great to be back. Nice to see you. Did you know when you were writing your book that the world was going to come to an end and that 2020 <laughs> would be an incredible shit show? Or uh... you, you know what's funny is I felt it. I felt it. You did? I, oh, man. A couple of years ago, about I'd say two and a half years ago, my wife was just like getting annoyed because I was like, man, we got to go. We got to go. We lived in Southern California. We'd moved um, down to Orange County from LA and something just wasn't sitting right. And I just couldn't put my finger on it. And I'm not like a doom and gloom guy. I don't read all the weird, you know, conspiracy theory stuff. But I was like, man, something, something does not feel right. I, I feel like we do not need to be in a city right now. Um, and I made, I struck a deal because I was, you know, making all these films and stuff. I was gone 80, 90 days a year. And she's like, you know what? Um, if you really want to move to the mountains, I'll oblige it, but you can't be gone all the time. It's not fair to me. And so we struck a deal where we said, look, seven nights a year is my maximum out of town. And that's how much it's worth it for me to live on a ski mountain and not, um, you know, be here for whatever reason. And then boom, the world blows up and I look like a genius, but it was just that feeling, right? It was, it was a feeling. It was just like something doesn't sit well with me right now. And I don't know what it is, but I can't ignore it. Well, that's the, the benefit of being a, a monk and being a little bit more in tune with, uh, something doesn't feel right. Yeah. Do you think that all of us have that, that intuition built in or are you unusually gifted? Oh, man, I'm like one of the least gifted people you'll meet. No, it's all just work. It's all just work. I mean, people who say, oh, I can't meditate. It's like, oh, I can't do pull-ups. Well, have you tried? Like, what do you do to strengthen that muscle? And, you know, very specifically, if you start working on the things that develop your prefrontal cortex you'll get better at these things called, you know, like meditation and focus and attention and all these things that happen in parts of the brain that we know how to trigger and activate and, and work to enhance. And so look, I just did the work. I, I, I loved it. I fell in love with the Jedi stuff and, you know, went in both feet, right? I just jumped into the work. But having been an ADD kid and just kind of like a normal guy. And like, I was just a pre-med, you know, guy at UCLA and a scientist. I fell in love with this stuff because I could feel it. And the more I did it, the more I can feel the results. Um, and it's not about belief at that point. It's an experience, right? It's like, Hey, wow, I, I have experienced this thing. I don't need to believe it. It's, it's true to me. And, and so I just kept rolling with it. So to answer your question, anyone, anyone can cultivate this. It's just this work. I believe that anyone can cultivate it, but I also think that not everyone can be Michael Jordan. Sure, sure. I so mean, who there, knows? There's some people who are more gifted when they start. They have greater potential, but that everyone can learn it. Is that what they would teach you at, at a, a an abbot somewhere? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of things. I mean, I grew up with a dad who went to school in Germany. So I had like, you know, German work ethic on top of, you know, the, the literal translation of Kung Fu is hard work. So, you know, th those cards kind of lined up, you know, in my favor to be like, okay, well, you just, you know, you want anything in life, you got to work for it. A lot of people don't grow up with that kind of work ethic. Um, and the other is, look, I grew up, uh, you know, immigrant family, not eating Honey Nut Cheerios. I grew up being fed lots of vegetables and good food for my parents. And my parents, you know, we, they weren't medheads. We weren't put on a bunch of drugs. We weren't give it a bunch of preservatives. I mean, what does that stack in your favor when it comes to focus and attention? Sure. Right. Same way we're trying to raise our children now. Um, but yeah, sure. I'm sure the genetics come in and, and look, it's, I was fortunate. We're just finishing a 10 part series on trauma right now. I was really fortunate to have a pretty mediocre upbringing without major traumatic events that can absolutely hijack your mind space. Right. Trauma is a, a really big deal, and we've had so many episodes on it. And when you talk to high-performance people, <laughs> a 
quite often uh, they're like, I didn't have any trauma. And then you ask them a few questions. Like the reason you're high performance is you're still trying to uh, adapt and be safe from whatever the heck it is that you don't even know you're afraid of because it got built into your tissues. That's it. But you didn't have to deal with as much of that, but you you see it in the people that you've worked with so much. Oh, oh yeah. And, and look, it's no, you know, it's no rose garden for anyone, no matter what your circumstances are. But, you know, at least I wasn't, you know, raped by my dad and things like really intense things that, you know, I see every day in this work that we do. But I mean, all the little micro traumas, sure. You know, they put a chip on your shoulder. They drive you to do the things you do. I mean, I live in Park City, Utah. Every direction I look at has a gold medal Olympian around. And man, some of these guys are just really hard to hang out with because they just can't stop competing in every little thing. And you see these yeah. micro traumas, you know, right there in their face. You're like, man, okay, so what are you running from or towards or against? Because it's right there, buddy. It, it feels like there's a lot of that in MMA. Like I never felt safe, so I'll just learn how to kick everyone's ass. But it's kind of a hard way to live. Oof. I mean, listen, you want to build a fortress to defend the soft inner shell that you never want poked at again. I met a lot, I, I've met a lot of these people in the martial arts over the years. And, you know, some of the nicest people I've met in, are yeah. in the martial arts because they, they have a, a way to express their anger and their emotions and vent and, and, and feel normal. Um, but a lot of them came from trauma, right? Yeah. Whether they were bullied or, you know, just bad experiences, which led to them, you know, trying to fight their way out quite literally. It, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of listeners are not doing MMA. And if you are, it doesn't mean that, you know, you have more trauma or not. There's just patterns that you start coming and becoming aware of. And hey, I'm, I'm in awe of someone who can, you know, handle themselves in a ring like that because it, it requires a certain state of awareness and calm, even, you know, when there's someone literally trying to pound you into the ground. So like there's, there is growth that comes from martial arts, no, no doubt about it. You, you talk about, a crisis of consciousness uh, in in your book, in society. What does a crisis of consciousness mean? You know, the Buddha called us hungry ghosts. And yep. we're all stumbling around trying to feed off of each other in a horizontal feeding frenzy because we forgot how to drink vertically. We forgot how to align our consciousness which with that which is pure and true and meaningful. And in my tradition, we call it retroflexion turning the light of awareness around to observe your inner state. And that's where awareness comes. That's where enhanced states of consciousness come from, right? Um, but we live in a world where our attention is now the currency of the information age. Literally, we, we monetize people's attention through eyeballs and advertising dollars and all stuff that we, you know, kind of been hearing about more and more through films that have come out. Um, and look, I, I put it to your audience that look, if you can't pull your attention back to your life, your health, your priorities and introspect and turn around and actually command your attention, I guarantee you someone is pulling it out the back door. Someone is, you are being mined right now for your mind. And, and that's the challenge we face. You have to either own that uh, or someone else will. It's one of the reasons I am a huge fan of every piece of feedback gear you can get. You know, if you have your ring that tracks your sleep, in fact, are you wearing one? It looks like you're wearing an aura ring. No, or is that just some I'm kind of cool? Back to my platinum wedding ring. Oh she's my goodness. A, I, I don't wear it when I lift weights at home. And so then I always have it off. And then she's like, Hey, how come you don't wear your wedding ring anymore? What, you know, don't you love me? And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> Put it back on. I, I, have a, I have a different relationship with wearables. Like I wear this, like my Sunto, uh, not my Sunto, my, my Garmin watch um, for feedback and stuff. When I'm exercising, man, I just, wearing it all the time makes makes me feel a little weird. It, it kind of, I don't like the energy um, on these devices. I don't like to wear electronics. And maybe, the, I, I've the done EMF a lot of kind of energy. Yeah, it's the about. EMF energy. It's just, it, it kind of messes with my field after a while. So I stop wearing them. Like I own Got probably it. two of all of them. I just, I don't know. It gives me a weird feeling. I, um, I just put mine in airplane mode, so there isn't the the constant transmissions and, and all of that. Which and this is the only one that I wear now. But for for people listening, if, if you're looking to turn that light of of awareness on yourself, having a, a, a score at the end of the day said how did I do today is one of the easiest and lowest hanging fruits for building awareness. Because for me, when I had you know, fibromyalgia and all this brain fog, and I'm growing my career in Silicon Valley. I, my practice was I would 
write in the margins of my engineering notebook, like, hey, I'm feeling like crap right now. Why? Or I'm feeling really good. Why? And I built the practice because it was out of necessity. And then I would play um, this little video game on my Palm Pilot <laughs> way back in the day. Uh, and it was, you know, free cell or I'd play it on my computer. But I would be like, I have no working memory today. Like, I, I can't play this game. It takes me five minutes to solve what should take one minute. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I have these external bizarre ways of creating a mirror for awareness of my internal state. And now it's just way easier to do that. Uh, and then of course that led me into the field of neurofeedback and, you know, the whole really deep meditative states from that. But it ultimately comes down to that, that consciousness, like anything that helps you grow consciousness is good, whether it's meditation or wearing the watch when you work out or whatever, like it, it all of it stacks in, at least in my world. And I, I like your view. I 100% you agree to. with that. Okay. The other thing that attracted me to having you you back on the show, Pedro, is that in Superhuman, I wrote about how people have it wrong. They, uh, they, they are looking at return on investment just based on money, but that the real currency for entrepreneurs, for any human being, is just energy. Because if you don't have energy, the other two things, which are time and money, are, are not meaningful. And in your book, you say directly, time, energy, and money are the three greatest sources of stress, lack, and confusion. So like we're aligned on that, but you teach about it differently than I do. So talk to me about those three things and why they're causing confusion. So if you look at your average person, they're trading their energy and their time for money all day, every day. Um, I could trade my money for someone else's time. I could buy yep. time in different ways. And so if you look at it's just kind of an active exchange between those three areas. I mean, time is something I don't know how much more of each of us have. Like that's that's a cosmic question. We try to, you know, enhance that number, but there's a certain amount of heartbeats and then you're not here, right? Um, energy, the currency of life. I mean, we eat food, breathe oxygen, you know, obviously try to do things to enhance that. And that's the the cellular currency that runs the whole show, whether it's your immunity, your postural muscles, your brain needs a lot of energy. And money is something we trade the other two for all the time. And so looking at that, you know, to me, I call that the water. And looking at life, if you look at life as a garden, what are the main plants in your garden that you say are important to you, right? It's your health, your family, your friends, your career, your passions, all these things that we all say are important. And, you know, I learned this being a Qigong guy coming down from the mountain is a certain percentage of my students, Dave, um, I, here I am trying to teach them all this stuff to make their lives better. Here's some more energy. Here's some more vitality. It's all good. Some of their lives would blow up. And I realized that they were the energy equivalents of lottery winners who had really poor finance skills with money, right? And so if your energy economics are messed up, I could teach you how to do all these wonderful things and you're just going to blow it because you, you, you just don't really allocate your energy to where you say is important to you. You say your family is important. You say, you know, your health is important. And I look at what you're doing every day. You're watering weeds or it's all going to career and the rest of it is lip service. And we were just talking about this before I went on. I mean, look, I'm a lifestyle guy. I'm a, I'm a former monk. I've been doing this work for a long time. And I was gone 80 days a year and my kids were getting pissed off and, you know, treating me differently when I'd come home. And it just got to a point where I said, listen, you know, work, talk is cheap. Work-life balance is something you have to double down on. And look, I mean, you moved to the island. I moved to the mountain. I'm spending a lot of quality time with my kids and I've restructured my career because talk is cheap. Are you going to be the husband and the dad that they deserve simultaneously? Or are you going to race to, you know, a gajillion dollars or whatever it is and have diabetes and heart disease and a strange spouse and kids that don't care to know you anymore? Right. And these are decisions we have to make now. It, it's funny. Uh, I'm a member of this organization called YPO or Young Presidents Organization. And there are chapters in most cities um, around the world. A lot of people haven't heard of it. But you have to be running a sizable company that you started to be a member. So this is a place where CEOs talk to other CEOs about weird CEO stuff that most of the world won't connect with because it's weird when you're a CEO. <laughs> and I've been giving talks. I just gave a talk uh, in uh, uh, or over Skype to you know Kuala Lumpur and just all these all these places all over the place. Um, and it's all entrepreneurs at various stages, and a lot of them are you know fifty plus, and they've they've made their success and all of them now are saying 
oh my God, my health, like I burned it out. How do I get it back? And I, I think the message you're putting in your book is that you know, maybe if you don't burn it out in the first place, you don't have to fill it back in. That's it. I mean, I'm, I'm finishing a film right now I'm doing with um, Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's an elaborate character, uh, to he's say the least. Yeah, but he's a good guy. And, and I've really enjoyed my time with him. And, you know, the, the framework, the thing that really jolted me that got me to really want to do the movie was this understanding. And I look, I grew up in L.A. And, you know, as a, as a boy growing up in L.A., you know, what's you know, what's success? You drive a Ferrari, you have a mansion, like all the stupid stuff that's kind of like beaten into your head. So when Robert and Kim achieved financial independence, their basic formula was this. What are our monthly expenses? At that point, it was $3,000 a month. They're living pretty small and meagerly, right? Um, And their passive income had to simply exceed their monthly expenses and then they were free. They're, they bought their time back from, from this thing called money. And, you know, for me, growing up with all these guys in LA, you know, before I went off and did the monk thing, I mean, everyone's like, oh, what's your number? Is it a million? Is it 5 million? Is it 10 million? Is it a B? Right? Like, and, and so everyone's got this dumb number, but they're, they don't really account for what it is that their actual like monthly burn is that would keep them happy and keep them out of the rat race. And then once you're out of the rat race, say, yeah, sure. You want more stuff, then you create some assets and do it. You could play the money game, but free yourself from that crap. So you could be the dad, the husband, the, the citizen, all these other things that the world needs you to be at the same time. And so it's this weird spell that money holds over a lot of us where we're constantly running after it, dumping our time and energy into it. And not watering the plants that we say are important. And as we get further and further downstream there, it's harder to reconcile. We become liars. We say we, say we want something, but our actions say otherwise, right? And, and then that's where life starts to fall apart. Life's big problems show up. Health crises show up and all the things that, you know, you've, you've had 400-something people on this show. That's what you talk about, right? Is people's lives fall apart when their health falls apart, their marriages fall apart, when finances fall apart. And it all just kind of circles around this exchange of time, money, and energy. And I can tell you right now that my premise here is that the glue for all of it is focus. If you can't focus on what you say you want, and your focus gets pulled out into Instagram and into the internet and it gets pulled out into the election crises and the next crisis that comes, you're never going to be able to map out your life in a way that's going to be meaningful and going to nourish you because your priorities are being supplanted by the priorities put in front of you by social media or the news. It really appeals when you talk about uh, having, quote, your number, uh, one of the things I, I've learned to be grateful for, uh, you know, 26 years old, I made $6 million, right? And that should have been a big enough number. And uh, I looked at another friend at the same company where everyone suddenly had a BMW. And, and I said, you know, I'll be happy when I have 10 million, <laughs> right? which is a super douchebag thing to say, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but at the time, I absolutely believed it. And the reality that I understand now, having had a chance to reflect on that and maybe grow up a little bit, it is that the fact I lost that $6 million a couple of years later was a lack of focus, <laughs> which is a big, a big theme in, in your book, but also to learn that, you know, having that money didn't make me happy. In fact, I was really miserable. And even before that, you know, I was in entrepreneur magazine, you know, the, the first, there's this weird fat kid, you know, selling things over this thing called the inner something, the inner, the internet, the very early days of e-commerce. So I'm like, yeah, I, I was in a magazine. I'm, I'm like, wait, I'm still not happy. So I'm like, I tried fame and eh, right, and you try money. Eh. And, and if I hadn't had those two experiences, I probably wouldn't be running my life the way I am now where I care a lot about impact and money is a side effect of it. Um, because honestly, that makes me happier than those other things having achieved them early in life and just still felt empty. Um, but I also, at the time, I had uh, a real problem with energy, like biological energy. My, my mitochondria were broken. I had fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and all that. Uh, and I ended up pouring all of my remaining assets into fixing my physical energy problem, which gave me enough lift to work on the stuff that, that, that your book is focused on. Um, one of the things that you say in the book, you say, how you're living right now is a reflection of the mental, emotional, and spiritual operating system 
that we say that drives your emanation. But mm-hmm. those aspects are, are the ones that are the hardest ones to deal with. But if you don't have enough energy or you don't have enough time or you don't have enough money, how are people supposed to have time to focus on spiritual operating system? Yeah, well, that's that, see, that's the funny part, right? Is if you look at someone's calendar, it's filled with work stuff and it's never booking time for any of the other stuff, you know, date night with wife, play with kids, whatever it is. Like you say your priorities are somewhere, but then you allocate your time somewhere else. Well, that those are where you're, that's where the, you know, follow the money, <laughs> frankly, right? And time is flowing in a direction that your focus is telling it to flow, right? And so if you look at the way reality has assembled, you're a little baby, you learn to wiggle your toes, you start to do tummy time, you start to creep and crawl and do all these things. And then there's like a thing on the table and you're able to move this blob of mass and, and, and you know, stand yourself up against this table and move this material object one place in time space to another. I mean, it's an absolute miracle, right? But how much of your nervous system has to focus in on moving your muscles, moving your body, moving matter, lifting things to move something around, let alone build a shack or write a book or all the things that we do as humans uh, here on planet earth, right? And so, you know, I look at this lack of focus as the central problem, because look, in Chinese medicine, these guys have a lot of metaphor that's kind of proven to come true <laughs> over the years. Yeah. They, yeah. they knew a few things from thousands of years of watching, right? Well, and it's, yeah, and watching what? Observing the internal state, right? These people were the original biofeedback biohackers. They yeah. understood the internal state. And so what do we say in Chinese medicine? We say that she follows the Shen, the spirit. Spirit is the attention housed in the heart. So where your focus goes, your energy goes, and if you can sustain your focus, the energy that you're generating through the cells of your body, through the mitochondria, through this miraculous thing called life, continues to go to where your focus goes, and then the material universe starts to assemble around that. It's like the formula for manifestation, um, and you could say it's like hippy dippy and weird. But I literally do this every day of my life. I, you know, I have a streaming service. I have a million things going on that I workshop all my monk stuff into in the real world. (laughs) If it doesn't work, I stop doing it, right? So how do you take your focus and assemble matter around that? You stay focused. If you have a lot of energy, like later on when you got better at like this thing called life, it didn't take you as long to make 6 million bucks because now you had the power that you were able to focus to assemble more millions of dollars and things on on this plane. Um, But if you don't have your vitality, you don't have your energy, the battery's dead. There's no juice. There's no, there's no current behind your focus. But if you could bring up your vitality, which is your whole gestalt in, in so many ways, is bring up the cellular health, bring up the mitochondrial function, bring up the capacity of the system to extract starlight from our sun and move it through your body to make things move in some miraculous way, you bring up the ability to generate more energy and then you focus that energy you get the life that you choose, then just be careful what you're asking for, right? And that's where a lot of my, you know, lottery winners were failing is, you know, I I could bring it up, but then it's like, well, what are you asking for? What do you want? How do you stay focused and direct it so your life actually happens in a way that is intentional instead of tumbling around in the whitewater wondering why circumstances ruined everything for you again? You mentioned that you were an, you know, an ADD kid, uh, and now you're talking about focus. You just wrote a book on it. And I, I, it's easy to say, you know, tell me your whole book in a sentence, but how do people go about achieving focus when there are so many distractions? But honestly, you know, if you don't make your house payment and your cell phone payment, it's probably hard to do much else, right? right. How, do you, how do you actually build focus in the chaos? Great question. And this is why, you know, I, I kind of depart from the media in, in this, right? I'm not, I don't play that game. And the reason why I don't play that game is because I think the media has really focused around selling sugar, sugar, uh, cereal to children. Yep. Don't give me the get rich quick scheme for life. Tell me what to actually do. Right. And I come from a discipline called Kung Fu and the literal translation is hard work. You want something in life, you got to go get it. So if I tell someone, hey, listen, uh, here, here's like three practices to do that's going to hone your focus, increase your energy, make your life work better. All you got to do is do them. There's 
two types of people in this world. One that says, giddy up, let's go. That sounds great. I got it from here. And the other one that says, oh man, that sounds too hard. Um, can you put that in a pill? Is there some like device that can zap that into my ear? And that right there is the crisis of consciousness. That's a central premise of the book is we have been trained to look outside of ourselves for a solution that comes in and hacks instead of getting back in the driver's seat and finding the nexus of control that gives us the mastery we started with, lost, and need to regain in life. Now, is that easy? I didn't say it was easy. But is it the, is it the right move? Absolutely. Ask any, any of these masters up in the monasteries. It's it's really interesting though. You know, it depends if if uh, people are thinking a hack is is a you know a way to not do the work. That is not what the hacks are for. But right. doing it's the misread. work, doing the work in the most effective way is the hack. And, and you know, hard work. I can tell you, you go to a monastery. If your foot's in the wrong position, they're going to stop you and say, in well, I would say, and when I translate it, I'd say the hack for the problem you're having is to turn your foot in a little bit, dumbass, right? <laughs> and then you do it right. And and over time, they have figured out the fastest path to achieve a goal. And the hack is finding the fastest path using yes. all means available. And I actually believe that because of changes in the world of technology, there are ways to achieve things that were, were the, the old way may not be the fastest path anymore. And it's our job to figure out ways that drive lasting and meaningful results with the least possible energy because the driving motivation for all humans is laziness. Yes. And that we don't want and to that's... burn energy unnecessarily because it's unnatural to do that. You know, if you can, if you can hunt the, the lion or whatever you're going to eat, the elk, uh, if, if you can do that with less energy, you want to do that because then the energy can go into something better. And I just, I wish that someone had just been able to sit me down and be like, there's a state that you've never felt <laughs> and that's what you're supposed to be doing because it was out of my universe. Right. Well, that's the problem is everything is out of everyone. There's no context for any of this work and there's all this neo-spiritual gibberish out there. It's yeah. getting people to do a bunch of crap that is actually ineffective, right? And I've done a ton of crap in my life where I've left it behind because, oh, yeah. you know, when I went from ascetic to an urban monk, if something didn't work in my busy life in Los Angeles, it wasn't relevant, at least for, you know, that time in my life. And so if this stress management technique didn't work, I didn't have time for it, man, right? That's called yeah. inefficiency, 100%. And, you know, then that's where the tech came in. That's where a lot, and, and it's a double-edged sword, right? Not all tech, you know, there's all these like brainwave apps out there. 80% of them are garbage, Right. Um, and, and so, fact. right. And, and so here, here's my point though, that I want to make sure, and, and you and I are welcome to disagree on all kinds of things. And that's why we're friends. I feel like the tools take over and become a problem is when the device or the tool or the app or whatever it is starts to cross over into idolatry. When you get to the place where you have learned that this God-given state of gamma or whatever it is, is an internal state that you can return to with your own consciousness. Thank you so much, tool. I'm happy to use you again. But now I have to understand that this is intrinsically a skill or a state that I can access with my consciousness. Thank you for showing it to me. But if I think I need the technology next time to get there, now I'm addicted and now I'm in a different world. And that's a very fundamental distinction that I think a lot of people get trapped in is people are like, oh, I can't live without my headspace. I'm like, yo, that's dark. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, once you get your life aligned and you figure out where you want your energy to go, it's like cash in the pocket. It doesn't hurt to have more once your economics are fixed. And that's where I think a lot of people lose it is they, their focus is everywhere. So their life is everywhere and they don't get the life that they, they say they want because they're just not focusing on their priorities. They're not focusing on their life. Very, very well put, Pedram. Thank you for uh, being a guest again on the show and for doing the work um, of both writing the book and making it teachable. So this this is the future of being someone who's creating content that's worth reading. So I think you're ahead of the curve on that. And I appreciate that you're taking the time to do it. Have a beautiful Thank day, you, Pedro. Friend. Thank you, my friend. Great to see you as always. 
A human upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.